This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 53. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. All right, RRSP season is upon us. The last day is March the 1st. And to help you avoid the top RRSP mistakes that Canadians make, I've brought back the financial planner that my family and I use, John Kalos, and we had a live webinar where we went over these top mistakes and it gave everyone a chance to get their questions answered live as well. Now, if you didn't know about the webinar, then that's because you aren't on the Build Wealth Canada email list. So to make sure you don't miss future free events like this, be sure to sign up for free by entering your email and you are over at Build Wealth canada.ca so this episode is going to be an audio recording of the webinar you unfortunately missed the chance to ask john your questions live during it but he is providing a free 30-minute consultation to all build wealth canada listeners so you can still chat with him for free to get your questions answered by going over to buildwealthcanada.ca slash john Now, keep in mind that this episode is the audio version of the live webinar that we had, so you won't have the visual aids and examples that we showed in the webinar if you're listening to this as a podcast. However, I have uploaded the entire recording of the webinar online, so you can stream it all for free with the visual aids by going to the show notes over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash 53, so just the number 53. There you can enter your email and I will send you the recorded version of the webinar so that you can stream and download it for free. All right. Now, before we get into that, a big thank you to this podcast sponsor, EQ Bank. Definitely don't forget to claim your free one-year digital subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine, Canada's largest personal finance and investing magazine. It's a $20 subscription that you get for free as a Build Wealth Canada listener. And the magazine features Canada's top experts on personal finance and investing and is a great place to learn best practices and stay up to date on changes that will impact your investments and financial situation for years to come specifically here in Canada so to get that all you have to do is open up a free savings account with my favorite bank and the bank that I personally use EQ Bank now the reason that I personally use EQ Bank is that they have one of the highest interest savings rates in Canada in fact out of all the years that I've been with them I haven't been able to find a higher interest rate anywhere and you know sometimes you'll see banks do like a really high rate but it's only for six months or something like that and you're not going to switch banks every six months so here they have consistently one of if not the highest interest straight and it's for you to sign up and keep an account with them so you're not paying a monthly fee like you do with many of the other banks out there and you get five free interact transfers every month as a bonus so because of those reasons i've been with them ever since they launched in canada years ago and it's where i keep my entire emergency fund and spending money and just to put things in perspective at the time of this recording their savings plus account automatically gives you 2.3 percent interest while the online banks in canada are offering a maximum of 1.25 percent and if you're still banking with one of the larger banks then you're getting less than one percent so in other words by using the bank that i use you're going to almost double the interest rate you get from your checking and savings accounts for free and this is why i've been using and recommending them for years to anybody that's asked and even before they became a sponsor on the show now if you love your current bank just for regular day-to-day use why wouldn't you at least keep your emergency fund and any extra cash that you're not investing in your savings account over at eq that way you're at least earning over double the interest on your checking and savings accounts compared to your current bank and that's actually what i did when i first started with them years ago and since then i've transitioned to them now being our primary bank so 
to get the free account and a one-year free subscription to Canadian Money Saver magazine, just go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E and the letter Q. Open up the free account using that link. It has to be using that link. And then once you're done, forward any email that you get from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And I'll send you a coupon code that gets you a free one-year subscription to the magazine. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ to open an account. Then forward me any email from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And I'll email you the free coupon code to the magazine. All right, so enjoy. Thanks for supporting the show in that way. And now let's get into the episode. Thanks for joining the webinar on the top five costly RRSP mistakes that Canadians make. And um, really what prompted this webinar is that, you know, you've probably been bombarded with the bank advertisements lately telling you that you have to hurry now to take advantage of all of these tax deductions. And I know I have, I can't seem to go anywhere without getting blasted with, you know, banks telling me to come in and and start investing and for my future and all of that. Um, So basically, you know, banks are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, advertising dollars to basically get you in so that they can sell you some of those high fee investment products. And so we're definitely hearing a lot now because of this advertising from those that are trying to sell you investments. But I feel very, very strongly that we Canadians have the right to also hear from an unbiased source that isn't just trying to gain your trust so that they can sell you investment products on the side and then earn a big fat commission or bonus for doing so. So John doesn't sell investments. I don't sell investments. Our focus is strictly on increasing financial literacy here in Canada. We basically want to be that unbiased voice for you that can be there you know, to save you some money on your taxes, help you cut your fees on your investments, and basically give you what you need to know to be able to hopefully retire early and so that you can actually hear both sides of the story as opposed to just the one side that's trying to sell you something and then you know just sell you investments all the time. Uh, so a big portion of this webinar, it's going uh, to gonna be to give you a chance to have all of your questions answered. So as we go through the webinar, you might get some questions that you think of just after hearing something. So feel free to start typing those into the Q&A and we will definitely tackle them at the very end. All right. So a little bit about John. John is a certified financial planner. He has decades of experience, over 25 years, and he doesn't sell investments. So he, he doesn't have that bias where, you know, he a lot of advisors, they have that bias where they'll recommend something, but that's only because they're getting some sort of compensation. And and, and if you've heard any of the episodes with John before, it, what they recommend can vary drastically depending on whether they hit their quota for one, for one product versus another product. So John doesn't sell investment products. He's unbiased. And when we hit financial independence, my wife and I, and we were talking about uh, we said, okay, let's you know, let, before we actually pull the trigger and you know, fully quit our jobs and all of that, you know, we really wanted somebody to take uh, a second a, a second look at our portfolio. So I feel very comfortable with financial planning. I've you know, I've even trained financial planners on how to use the software to be able to model everything out. But even still, despite having all this confidence, I still felt it was really really valuable before pulling the trigger to have someone that's unbiased, that's very good at this, that's a professional field to take an unbiased look at our situation. Situation and just to make sure that we didn't make any mistakes, so that you know, a year after retirement, we're not like, oh shoot, I messed some, I'm, I missed some number. I have to guess I have to go back to work, you know. So, so John was was great at doing that. He did the financial plan for my family and I. Uh, you know, now we're now we're basically you're financial independent. We're uh, retired essentially, other than you know the podcast that I work on now. So, um, so yeah, really, really uh, happy, you know, to to be working with John on that. And I feel you know, no matter how advanced you you how confident you are about investing or financial planning 
it's always good to have a second set of eyes that's unbiased, that's professional, that can, you know, because you never, you, we can't have all the experience. We can't possibly know every possible thing. And so it's good to leverage someone else that knows what they're doing to give you that unbiased second opinion, just to make sure that you have all your bases covered. Um, all right. So I'm going to give it away to John. I mean, he's been featured in a lot of places. Can you money saver, Globe and Mail? Obviously, he's been on my show. He's on the radio a lot. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, a reputable professional in the field. And, you know, like I said, that's who my family and I use. And I feel very comfortable uh, recommending him to listeners of the Build Wealth Canada show. All right. Now, before we kick, uh, kick it off, I do want to give a big thank you to Canadian Money Saver Magazine. They are sponsoring this webinar. Uh, so, uh, you know, big thanks for that. Um, they have Canada's top experts on personal finance and investing right for them. They're now the largest personal finance magazine as well in Canada. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're into this, which you obviously are because you're on this webinar, uh, you know, they're definitely a place to, you know, to, to do a lot of your reading and to stay up to date on everything. They have uh, one other kind of big things that got me into them even before they became sponsor of the show is when you're when you have a membership with them you get all past issues since 2001 when you get a digital description which is basically 20 bucks uh, a year so you get basically all the reading you could ever want in terms of personal finance and investing um, since 2001 so it's you know it's really good value that's what got me into them when I first got into this you know and since then you know we've we've become you know I I promote them we help each other out because they're just a great resource for Canadians Uh, and so uh, there's a link that I have for you if you do want a free issue of the magazine you can go to build wealthcanada.ca slash CMS. So it's just at the bottom there. Uh, and then there you can basically download the free issue. It's the one actually where I was on the front cover where when we hit our financial independence number. So I thought that was that would be a cool one to give away if you kind of want to learn more about our story and how we did it and, and how we were able to pull it off. Uh, you know, some maybe there's some strategies in there you could use for yourself. Um, so you can definitely download that issue for free there. Uh, and then also in there, there's also instructions how to get 25% off the digital subscription. So if you do decide to do that, you get a discount plus you get a free issue you get the free issue regardless so um you know once again big thank you to canadian money saver for sponsoring it and you know they're just a great resource for canadians and i'm really happy that you know we partnered with them um all right so john uh that's it for my spiel uh i am going to give it a uh, pass it over to you and uh let you take control here okay great thank you cornell um for those of you who have heard Cornell and I before, we seem to have a very good time and we're getting together. We're talking about investments and this is our first podcast. So uh, thank you, our podcast webinar. So thank you very much. And we thought it was very, very timely to look at some of the big um, points about RSPs and, and you know, what, what advantage they have, what disadvantage they have, what are the mistakes that some people make. And um, we took a whole week. I can't believe we put this together in the past week. This, this idea sort of came up, uh, I guess it's been it's been about a week, right, Cornell? Yeah, yeah, even even less than that. So yeah, it's been intense. Yeah. <laughs> but the deadline's <laughs> approaching, right? So we got to do it now before That's people right. feel pressured. The- we thought about it a week ago, and we started putting it into action just a few days ago. So it's been a, it's been a it's been a, a fun the past few days. But we're here, and and I think we think. I think at least uh, we, we put something together that I think will answer some of the what might be obvious questions or obvious points for some listeners, but they might be you know totally new things for others depending on as you mentioned earlier if uh, you're sort of uh, how do we say it, advanced in the RSP business let's say or you know this is the first time where it's been three or four years and you're not quite sure exactly what it is all you hear about is you know contributing to your RSP which is 
good for most people, not always good for some people. So these are the types of things we're going to be talking about. And so why don't I get right in it? We got about uh, 50 minutes or so. So uh, I think the magic goes on quite a bit when we get questions and answer, and, and then we answer them on, on the fly here because that sort of is really ad lib. We're, you know, we're getting things right away in real time. So we're able to share some answers. So let's go through then the top uh, the top five costly RSP mistakes that Canadians make. And secrets from an ex-banker. Yes, I am an ex-banker. I spent um, close to a little over 20 years in the banking industry, so I've seen it all. Um, if you've heard my post, my podcast called Confessions of an Ex-Banker, I share lots of juicy secrets on, on how to deal with the, your banks when it comes to credit, when it comes to your investments, when it comes to buying insurance for your mortgage, which you should not do from the bank. But there's some nifty tricks to try to get to some better rates as well. So you might want to check that out. So what I'll do then is, Cornell, I don't have access uh, to the screen. Okay, I will start the um, the slide. The yeah, I'll, I'll press the button then. Yep. Okay. So and the first one is making make an RSP contribution and keep it in a cashable product. This is a mistake. So what does that mean? Um, generally, when we're in a hurry. Um, if there's one day left or two days left or whatever, we rush to our bank and we want to make an RSP contribution and they'll ask you, all right, how do you want to contribute it? What kind of product do you want to buy within the RSP? And we sort of put it in something called a daily savings, which is basically like a bank account, except it's in your RSP. And just like a bank account, it, ba it pays barely any interest. I think it pays zero actually. So that's basically a place to sort of park your money, put your money uh, in a place until you make a decision as to how to invest it. Um, but what, one thing that many people do, and again, I've seen this within the bank, and the banks love it actually, is they do their RSP contribution, they get their slip, they put it in their taxes, but then they never take care or, or they never come back to invest their money. And so the money is sitting in a bank account in an RRSP within the RRSP, not earning any interest. So that happens a lot. And this is some some bankers will sort of bring it up to you, uh, but you'll never get a phone call a month later or two months later, hey, saying that you haven't invested your money, and and so you need to keep track of that basically if you're using a if you're using a bank for your RSP. So that's one of the biggest mistakes. That's one of the products again that pays the banks the most because they take your money basically and they they lend it out to people looking for mortgages and lines of credit and stuff like that. So it's very profitable with bank, not profitable at all for uh, RRSP investors. Okay, so that's the first costly mistake that, that many people make. And John, this reminds me a bit too of, of what people do with their TFSAs. A lot, sometimes I get questions from people saying, oh, you know, what's the sort of best interest rate on a TFSA and things like that. And, and sometimes people view a TFSA like a, you know, like a savings account because that's a lot of times how the banks actually market them. Uh, and I, so I, I see some similarities there as well where, okay, you might be getting 1%, 2%, maybe 3% on your TFSA, uh, you know, but because it's through a bank, but you could be getting, you know, even triple that if you invested a certain way, uh, double double that at, at least I would say even, you know, so that, that's kind of another thing is it's, you know, by default, it's so easy to just keep it in kind of a cash account and all that, but you're really missing out on the gains in the market if, 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 that, if correct. that's all that you're doing. Correct. And it's not only that, it's, it's also a matter of knowledge, right? So, um, People have heard of TFSAs and many people still are not sure what they are or how to invest in them or what they're what they're useful for. I've seen people that have fifty thousand dollars in their TFSA and it's sitting in a bank account. Mm -hmm. So basically not getting any advantage 
unless it's earning a little bit of interest, which which most bank accounts don't actually. If you have it in a savings account, fine. But I've seen many clients that have um, uh, money in their TFSA. The money's not invested, so it's not earning them anything. So there's no benefit to that. And it's the same thing for our RSPs. Uh, uh, it's pretty much the same thing when it comes to that type of product. The bank is making all the money. You're not making anything. For sure. Yeah. Because like, I mean, they can, when you look at their ads, right, they can say, oh, we'll give you 2% on your TFSA or 3%. And, and then people, some people think, oh, that's, that's, that's way more than I'm getting in my savings account. Let's, let's do that. But then right. they go around and they can just invest that and earn 8%, let's say. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And it's, but then you can also do that, right? So that, that's, that, right. that's the thing. Um, all right. Let's not uh, only that, not only that, I'll just say something very quickly about that sure. is that there are some promotional rates where they'll tell you you'll get 3% for, and then in very little, you know, uh, small letters for six months. Yeah. And then they down to zero point whatever percent. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that as well. That that drives me crazy when it's always you know the oh for six months only it's like okay so what I'm gonna switch banks in six months when my thing expires that's such a hassle right but uh, but I, I see those ads so much I think it must be working for them because because I I see those types of ads from so many banks uh, yep. but it's always a temporary thing uh, and I mean come on you, are you really gonna switch banks every six months I, I prefer just going with one bank that I know consistently has one of if not the highest rate. And Correct. you know what I mean, and just and just do that, and go and go live your life yeah. instead of switching accounts and opening accounts and closing accounts. That's all day. right. <laughs> there's there's good reason for simplicity. For sure. All right, I move to the next point. Yeah, number two, not knowing your rights. <laughs> so this sounds like this is interesting. Not knowing your rights. What rights do I have? But I'll give you an example. Um, I've had clients who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in their RRSPs. And we've talked about uh, financial planning, obviously, and how I work with my clients and what have you. And they weren't aware that you're allowed to take RRSPs from institutions other than banks. You'd be surprised at how many people uh, believe that only banks make RRSPs. So that's not the case. So you can make an RRSP contribution with many different uh, institutions. Uh, there's private institutions. There's public institutions. There's uh, names that have come on uh, the blog recently have been the Wealth Simples, the Nest Wealths, and things like that. Quest Trade. Many of you have heard of these companies. Many of you haven't as well. So again, just to touch up on people that are just getting or breaking out into this industry, it's not only banks that allow you to make an RSP contribution. And another thing is, you're always free to transfer your money to other institutions if you're not getting the service or if you're not getting the advice. So. Um, many people believe that once it's in there, it's locked and you can't touch it until you retire. Well, it's true. You can't spend it, but you can definitely take it from one institution to another. So uh, just know that that's the case. And it's rare that you'll hear these things, but at least you're hearing it now. Um, and so if you're not getting the right uh, service or you're not getting the right advice, if you feel like you should be getting more advice and you're not, and basically uh, all they're doing, all the bank is doing is just calling you once a year now and, and asking for your RSP contribution. There's a lot more to financial planning than just asking for your RSP contribution. Um, so definitely take advantage of the fact that you can transfer if you find someone else that is more knowledgeable and you're comfortable with that person. That's knowing your rights. Is there any other rights you need? To, no, you, you have the right to pay fees, that's for sure. <laughs> you have the right to question your fees, uh, but that's another show. Maybe we'll do a show on fees, Cornell. 
We we always go on this giant tangent every time you're on uh, the Build with Canada show about <laughs> the fees we just get. We that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also we have to keep in mind that we have a we have a clock in front of us right now, so we that's can't right, really go. Right. We'll go on our fear end so I, I, in the future. Yeah, let's remind <laughs> let's remind ourselves. Okay, so let's remind ourselves now. So for over over contributing, what does that mean? There there's the there's the obvious thing of uh, it's obvious for some, not for others, but over contributing meaning. Uh, there's a limit that you can that you can um, that you can uh, invest in your RSPs, and that shows up on what's called the notice of assessment uh, that you get at the end of tax period. Once you file your taxes, the government sends you a little paper saying, "Hi, we got your taxes, and by the way, here's how much you can invest in your RSP this year." So over contributing will cause a penalty. Now that's what I consider. It's pretty obvious for some people. It's not for others. But the other, what I like to call the non-obvious uh, thing about over-contributing is this. Let's say, for example, um, you've never used your RSPs and you've accumulated room to put into your RSP. So let's say $50,000 is an example, okay? And let's say you, 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 you have a job now and you're earning $100,000 just to show that you're in a high tax bracket, okay? So what you can do now is say, oh, look at this. I have $50,000 of RSP room. I can take $50,000 and put it into my RSP right now, which sounds like a great idea because what happens is the government says, you just put $50,000 in your RRSP, so we're going we're gonna to say then that your $100,000 of taxable income that you just made, we're going to tax you only on $50,000. So that's what an RSP is basically. It's basically you have a salary, uh, you earn $100,000, and then you put in a $10,000 RSP contribution. Well, you've paid taxes over the year on $100,000, your salary, right? So now the government is saying, oh, you put in $10,000 in your RSP? Well, you know what? We'll tax you then on $90,000, basically $100,000 what you made minus your contribution. So the government will end up owing you money at tax time. So that's what the RSP, the purpose or one purpose of an RSP is all about. Now, over-contributing means that if you have, again, $100,000 of income that you've made and you're putting in $50,000, it's better if you do that in separate years. In other words, take a little bit and put it in one year, take a little bit and put it in the future year because if you put it all in one shot, your taxable income will go down to $50,000, right? I hope I'm not confusing anybody with these numbers. Anyhow, your taxable income goes down to $50,000 and you find yourself in a lower tax bracket. So the return that you're going to get from the government will be lower. Whereas if you put, let's say, 10000 or 12000 every year for the next five years or for the next four years, you'll be better off doing that to have more money coming back to you in taxes. And if there's any question about that, then by all means, we can take it up again on, at, at Q&A. But this is just basically telling you if you have a lot of room in your RSP contribution and you're in a high tax bracket, it's best to sort of split the contributions going into several years, not just one. Yeah, for sure. And you know what, John? I actually, to that point, I prepared a bit of a little spreadsheet to show everyone about how exactly that works a little bit. Um, and I was saving it for later, so maybe I'll, I'll show it later. I don't want to get you off your flow here or anything. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, just to kind of show everyone how much money you can save on taxes, but also, yeah, if there is over-contribution, how it, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not optimum, right? Uh, so you, you shouldn't, always be maxing out your RSP. I, I know when, when my wife and I were, were 
doing it, we would basically maximize our RRSP first to get us to the lowest possible tax bracket. And then anything above that that we wanted to invest, we put in our TFSA. And so that was a way that we were able to manage our tax brackets so that any income we earned basically ended up being taxed at the lowest tax bracket, even though we were earning you know, well above the lowest tax bracket. And so it's kind of a way that you can use RRSP and TFSA together to be able to always be paying the lowest amount. Um, so so I'll show that in a bit of a spreadsheet, but it's it's a strategy I cover in the course and it's what we did. And I mean, it worked it's, it, it worked out really, really well for us. Uh, but I think, now, I think this, a lot of people don't know let about this, Yeah, Let me say this very quickly uh, for people that are sort of rushing and taking notes. And what did he say? This is, this is a little bit more sophisticated, you know, um, so it's it, basically what I'm saying is just know the concept, okay? And then if you have any questions, then we can take them up or you can you can contact me or Cornell and we'll, we'll go into more detail. But just know the concept of not over-contributing, uh, not putting too much money in an RSP. And if you have questions about that, ask a financial planner or get in touch with us and we'll take care of it. Awesome. Good stuff. So number four. All right. And Jennifer, thanks for your question. I, I did see it. Uh, I'll just I'll wait till the Q uh, the Q and A to to go over it. Uh, I just I just I'd everyone else submitting as well, just because if you get into yeah. questions now, we'll never get through the presentation. So, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I think your question was about fees, right? <laughs> well, so yeah, there was one about fees, but another about the whole like managing your tax bracket and and how do you yeah. kind of optimize it that way. So yeah, yeah, right. we can um we can definitely go into that in, in more detail. Yeah, it's a bit of more of an advanced thing, but totally worth figuring out because yeah, I mean it's I mean you're literally going to be saving thousands of dollars. So even if it takes you an hour to figure out, uh, you know, to wrap your head around, I mean, where else are you going to make a few grand for an hour of learning, <laughs> right? So it, it's still very it's it's a good it's worth the hassle. Let me just say that. Um, okay, John, John, go ahead. Okay, so paying too much in fees for zero value, reduce fees by one one percent example. Cornell, did you cut and paste that example that I did? I write an example to you when I said. Oh yeah, yeah, I have a. It's another slide. Hold on. Uh, there you okay. go. Okay, yeah. So let's go to yeah. That's right. The next slide will give you an example of what it does, what it is to reduce your fees by one percent. And it's it's when I do this calculation, and Cornell, we've talked about this. I, I do this calculation for everyone that I'm meeting. And when I do the calculation, I'm not kidding. I do it a second time because I'm saying, no, this can't be right. Like this is like, it's really too much. But imagine for a second, if you're saving $5,000 in fees every year. So what does that mean? Let's say uh, you're paying 2%, you have $100,000 or you have $500,000 and you save 1%. That's the best way of looking at it. So it's $5,000 in fees every year that you're saving only in fees, right? For If we do this for 20 years, Earning five percent on that five percent that we're that we're saving every year, and there's compounding going into going into play here as well. The total fees are what you see in front of you, which blows my mind. It's like if you do just do simple math, five thousand in twenty years is a hundred thousand dollars. But because of the compounding and because of the fact that there's taxes, there's no taxes being being uh, paid on the earnings that we're making, right? You're saving $258,000. Is that mind blowing or what? Like I'm, it's, I still look at the number and I say, this is too good to be true. And that's what it is. Imagine if you're saving 2% because there are some providers of RSPs out there um, and with different RSPs that have other sort of bells and whistles attached where the fees are 3%. And it's just mind-boggling. If you're saving 2% on 5000 every year for 20 years, it's more than half a million dollars. And again, 
you can see now why I always do like a double take when I see that number and say, let me just work the numbers again. I must have made a mistake, but it's not. This is what it is. So that's what fees are. In a nutshell, in 30 seconds or less, um, saving yourself 1% in fees does all that. And what are the fees? The basic or the most important fee that you're not told of is what's called the management expense ratio. So you're not paying anything to put in your, your investment right now. When you're in a bank, you're not paying anything to withdraw the investment. And I stress when you're in a bank, because if you're dealing with other mutual funds from private companies, there are fees if you want to sell the fund. Uh, and those sort of die out over many years. But that's that's we'll save that again for another show. Like we said, maybe that is a good idea, I think, Cornell, to do a show that clearly indicates all the fees. But um, sure. most of the fees are what's called the management expense ratio. And you're looking at anywhere between two and two and a half percent when you're with the bank. Other firms will charge higher. And that's the fee that's important. If you can reduce that fee only by 1%, then you're saving a ton of money. You can reduce your fees by 2% as well in some circumstances and you're saving even more. But just know that that's what 1% does. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I was I was helping a family member recently. They were in, they got sold some high fee uh, insurance products. It was, it was like a it's called a segregated fund, so it's kind of like a mutual That's fund right, with yeah. some extra kind of bells and whistles to it. But the fee, so the fee was actually higher than the average in Canada. It was like two something like two point six percent, which is which is bananas. Uh, so on a hundred thousand dollar portfolio, right? That's that's basically two thousand six hundred dollars in fees, and then that one like John was showing here, right? That compounds as well, so it's actually a lot more than that. And then you, for example, you contrast that to the portfolio I have which is basically just pure index ETFs. Um, when I, basically, I was paying 0.15 of a percent, right? So it's like just a fraction. So, you know, way, way under a percent, basically, yeah. uh, versus, you know, someone like this family member was helping 2. You know, 2.6%. And since then, I've actually even optimized it even more, where now it's like a bit over 0.10. So uh, like, it, it's a huge, huge difference, and it's not very difficult to do. Like I said, it just takes some learning, but... It's the most money you'll ever make on an hourly basis. Like you know, for every three minutes of or three hours of education, you, you'll never make that money doing anything else because because of how how the math because of the compounding. I mean, really, that's what it that's comes right, down that's to. Right. Um, right. So, John, are we good with that slide? Should I go to, down to number five? Yeah, the, the go, fifth mistake. Go right ahead. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there it is. So number five. Yep, it's right there. Right. Being afraid to invest. Being afraid to invest because the markets are scary. Um, so what does that mean? Um, in all my years, at any point in time over the past, since 92, so over the past 26 years, there's always a hundred reasons to not invest in the stock market or to invest, period. And there's, uh, so we're always finding some reason. And I remember seeing a chart, maybe we'll, we'll show this some other time, but there's a chart that shows the history of the market since the 1950s and the chart is riddled with little bullets that explain what was the main menu, what was on the main menu in those years. So, you know, we had the uh, Iron Curtain, the Soviet Union in the 90s, and the 80s, and the 70s. We had uh, inflation in the late 70s, whatever, World War I, World War II, the, the other wars, and the wars in the 90s. And so there's always many, many reasons to say it's not a good time to be investing because look what's happening. Now people are saying the markets are very turbulent, which they have been. Um, they're saying there's issues with China and the U.S. And, and you know, the political scene is not very stable and so on and so forth. So there's always reason to say, uh-uh, it's not a good time. Well, what I've learned is that you can never figure out when the good time is. Um, let's drop the 
idea of saying it's not a good time to invest because, or it's a good time to invest because. Let me give you an example that over the past three months, simply, I had a client who asked me, um, and the markets were down maybe 10 or 15% at the time, sometime in November or December. And my client asked me, should we be investing this money right now? And and the truth is the markets have been going up for many years in a row and it's, it's not going to continue. So it's, you know, it's going to stop whether in one year in three years or eight years, it's not going to, you know, keep going up. And, and that's, I hope that's obvious for everybody, but it's very difficult to know when. And so when we were making that decision, I had a decision to make also and say, well, what if I put my client's money in the markets right now and the markets just keep going down because there's so much bad news out there. And then I thought to myself, I've never, I've, I have an opinion about the markets. Everybody has an opinion. I'm never acting on my opinion, whether it's for my money or my client's money. So I, if I was acting on my opinion about the, what, what I think the markets will do this year, I'd be in trouble because four years ago, I was saying the markets are going to fall. You know, it's a house of cards and everything is going to collapse. I've been saying that for four years, three years, two years, one years, but I always say that over a cup of coffee, meaning don't take my comments as advice. It's just my impressions or the way I'm thinking. And notice I've been wrong many years, so I don't take my opinion. I have it, but let's just not... Let's not use what's going on in the news or what's going on in the world to make a decision on whether we should be investing in stocks or bonds. The best way to find out what types of investments are best for you is to figure out how tolerant you are with the ups and downs of the markets. Know the pros and cons and know the worst case and best case scenarios. So I'm, I'm stretching the answer here because I think it's important. But let's go back to 2007 and 2008 when the markets were down close to 50% in the States, okay? And I think just as much here. Um, so those were tough times. And, you know, you, you barely found anybody investing then, which was the best time to invest when you, when you look back. But I'm just saying that um, it's, it's extremely difficult to say what's going to happen in the short term. And in 2007, 2008, I think, looking at those years now is a good thing because that's the worst case scenario. So if you tell yourself, I'm strong enough to have all of my money in equities, well, ask yourself, are you ready to see your the value of your portfolio go down by as much as 50%? If over, over a period of a few months or one year, if there's no comfort there, then you shouldn't be in that type of portfolio. And a lot of people are not comfortable, you know, seeing their money go down by half over three or four or five months. But I'm just saying it's good to take to, to take inventory with a financial planner and, and you, they'll be able to give you an idea of how much you can tolerate, how much of the ups and downs you can tolerate in the markets. So that's what that's the way to invest in the markets. Find out what your tolerance is for the worst case scenario instead of trying to say it's a good time because or it's not a good time because. Does that make sense? It, it does to me. Yep. If it doesn't. Uh, someone let us know in the chat. So there you go. Uh, don't be afraid to invest in the markets, no matter what the markets have done. Um, any any sane person would have told you five years ago that the markets are going to go down because they've gone straight up and it hasn't happened. So uh, it, it's just futile to try to climb these things. What, yeah, do an RSP contribution and keep it in a cash flow product. Yeah, okay. So this is what this is um, this is what to do. And notice a little earlier we talked about making an RSP contribution and then keeping it and then the money sort of stays in this product, which is like a bank account, and it doesn't grow. 
Well, it's a good it's good to do that as well under this circumstance. Let's say, for example, you don't have time to make a decision as to what kind of RSP uh, investment you want to make, or you need to speak to your advisor, or whatever the case is. You just need to make an RSP contribution. When you walk into the bank, they might tell you, here's a one-year GIC for 2%, and here's a three-year. Oh, we have a special on our five-year GIC, and it goes up every year by 1%, and take a look at how nice this is. Well, they're trying to lock you into a product where you won't be able to move your money if you change your mind. So when you're in a rush and when you're in a hurry to make an RSP contribution and you're just not sure what you're going to or how the money should be invested, then you can do it in what's called a daily interest account in your RSP. So again, it's like the bank account. But just remember to come back to it as soon as you can and figure out what you're going to do with the money. Don't let it sit there. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of people just let it sit there and, um, and the money doesn't go, but it's a good place to sort of park your money until you make a decision as to what you're going to do with it, whether invest with the bank or transfer to another institution or speak to your advisor about it, stuff like that. So that, that's, that's, when, that's when it's good to use a, a, a product that doesn't pay barely any interest at all. That's right. And you can always, uh, once it's in the RSP, and let's say you decide to switch institutions, you, you can always just you know move that over to another institution. It, it's fairly easy. Uh, I've, I've done it multiple times for you know for uh, help friends and family do it. It's 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 very straightforward. So yeah, definitely like John said, don't uh, don't rush into investing in something because I don't know your your kids got sick and you didn't have time to deal with it, and so now it's like the day before the you know the deadline and right. So don't you know don't don't rush. I think is is a really big thing. And for any, and and John's using an example of you know if you're let's say using a traditional bank, uh, you know like yeah. me myself, I use a discount brokerage. I, I use Questrade. If, 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 if I think most of most of the listeners know that already. Uh, and I mean in that case, let's say um something happened, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't have time to do the investments right away, but I am getting close to the deadline. Well, I can just basically put that money in the RRSP and it's just going to sit there as cash until I'm ready to deal with it, right? So I still got everything done before the deadline, uh, but maybe I'm like, okay, I don't have time to re- do my rebalancing calculations. Let, let's say that's the case, right? Well, fine, just put in the RSP before the deadline. It's gonna sit, It's not going to make a difference if it sits in cash for a few days, right? It's not going to you know, break, your, right. break, your ba- break the bank for you or anything like that, right? So, and then when you're ready, once you have the time, then okay, now let's rebalance. Let's actually invest, invest those funds. And then, yeah, the key to what John was saying before is don't... Uh, also, you know, make sure you don't forget. <laughs> so don't just keep it. You get busy and then you keep it as cash. And then six months later, you go, oh, crap. It's <laughs> it's it's still there sitting as cash. And now, and now you've missed out on dividend payments, right? So You get your statement and you say, hey, how come it hasn't gone up? <laughs> or hasn't gone up? You never did anything with it. So, yeah. Yeah. The markets are flat, John. What's going on? Yeah, well, you have it in cash. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So next, next one. one. Well, this is what we talked about just now. Don't rush the decision of which product you should buy. Uh, in other words, look at what your risk tolerance is, and uh, you shouldn't base your investment only on risk tolerance, but that's one step that you have to do. Knowing your rights, oh, we sorry. covered about, uh, where are we? Sorry, some of these you already covered, so I'm just going to show all of them, and then yeah. you can decide if, if there's any ones you want to add to. Yes. So when you decide the product to get, use the money from your RSP. Meaning you did your cat, you did your contribution, you got your tax slip, and then and then just make sure when you do decide which product is best for you. Uh, and again, you may make that on your own. You may make that with the use of help. Then you're going to use that money that you had to invest in that product. All right. So that's pretty much we covered that. We covered that point as well. Okay. So we're good to go. Next slide. Yep. Sounds good. 
All right. So um, this is when you guys got the invitation for the webinar, there were certain bullet points there that I said, okay, here's what we're going to cover. So here is just, I want to make sure before we go into the Q&A that we did in fact cover all those points. And if we didn't, then you know, let us know and we'll be sure to expand on them, that kind of a thing. So this was the first one, John. And just an FYI, yeah. it's 1240 right now. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're running yeah. I'm looking at the clock. I'm yeah. saying, okay, we got to do this. <laughs> yeah. So basically, all right, how to use your RSP to save thousands in taxes? Obviously, are obviously to most, not to everyone, RRSPs reduce your taxable income. So you're making sixty thousand dollars in salary. Well, the government is taxing you at sixty thousand. If you do a ten thousand dollar RSP contribution, the government says now, oh, you know what? We taxed you on sixty thousand. Well, we owe you money uh, because you, you actually making your RSP contribution reduces your taxable income to fifty thousand dollars. So here's your tax money back on that ten thousand dollars. Obvious, you can use your RSPs uh, for a home buyer's plan. You're buying your first home, you can tap into your RSPs as a, a, for a down payment. Not so obvious uh, on how to save thousands. Withdraw early. Quick example, you're working right now and you have whatever amount of money in your RSP, you lose your job next year and you have no income. Well, that's a pretty good time to withdraw money from your RSP because if you withdraw, let's say, ten or $12,000 and you have no other income, that's not, that money's not going to be taxed. It, I mean, there's going to be taxes to pay when you take it out of your RSP because the banks have to hold a certain amount of taxes, but the government's going to give it back to you at the end of the year. So there's a good time to withdraw money from your RSP. And if you have, and if either you're going to use the money, right, because there's no income coming, or you can take it and put it into your tax-free savings account. And all of a sudden you have another tax shelter, but when you withdraw, there's no taxable uh, issue. Gotcha. And John, this is the part where I, I prepared that spreadsheet I told you about. Uh, you, you haven't seen it yep. yet, but so feel free to you know give your input on it. But we were we got that yep. question. I believe it was from Jennifer about the whole tax um, tax bracket management uh, piece. Um, so here, let, let me yep. let me sh- let me pull it up real quick. All right, I'm just going to interrupt real quick here. Uh, this is specifically for podcast listeners. So when I went over this example, it was using a spreadsheet and you could see me actually going through the spreadsheet and you could see all the numbers and it makes the strategy make a lot more sense. When I listened to it just in pure audio format, it made no sense because you can't actually see the numbers so you don't know what I'm pointing at and what I'm referring to. Um, so to hear about the strategy, just go to the show notes like I said at the beginning of the episode, buildwealthcanada.ca slash 53. So just the number 53. You can go in there you can put in your email and i'll email you automatically this entire presentation and then you'll actually get to see the spreadsheet and all of the details i just didn't want to play this whole thing for you because it's just going to totally confuse you because you won't know uh, what i'm talking about because you don't see the spreadsheet and the numbers that i'm referring to all right so i'm skipping this section right now and then right now i'm just going back to the rest of the webinar but you know how to reach me. Let me know if this doesn't make sense. I'll gladly help you on this. I covered in the course as well, but I, I do really want to share the strategy with you, whether you get the course or not, because literally you're like here, you know, you're saving four and a half, almost $4,600 per year. And that's compounding, which which has huge impacts. Uh, so, okay, John, back to you. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't lose everyone. <laughs> Just because I, so I, 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 I talked way I, too I, fast. <laughs> I was actually going to say, I'm sure there are some people saying, huh? <laughs> so <laughs> so if, I case, if, if that's the case, you're not alone. And uh, and so anyways, this could get detailed and, and we're, we may be going a little bit faster because of time. We just want to get through all the questions. Why don't we start? You know what? Let's go through the questions uh, because I'm sure, sure those are interesting. 
book or not. So okay, um, sounds good. Yeah, like I, I think minutes. we covered all the points. And if we didn't, then then uh, if basically if you didn't answer what you feel we promised you, then let us know in the questions and we'll deal with it. Uh, we'll, we'll answer it right now. Hold on, okay. I'm seeing the Q and A right now, so I have access to this. So let's start. Okay, here we I'll go. start with Lacey. Okay, so hi, I'm new to RSP, so wanting to know what's best. I have started in an RSP for my hubby, and an RESP for my son with the bank. So just wanted to get started off right. Thanks. Um, wanting to know what's best. Wow. What a, that, that's a wide question. There's a lot of best things, but you know what the best thing is that you started. <laughs> All right. So that's the first move that you can possibly take. Now what you need to do for yourself is educate yourself in a way um, of, of what are your choices? What's, you know, it's good that you started, but now you need to know why it's advantageous and what, to do or what can you do for yourself to make it advantageous for your personal situation, your personal circumstances and your family's circumstances. So there's a lot. All I'm saying is that this is a good first step. Now you want to go get yourself some unbiased opinions, Lacey, and not just one, maybe try to get a couple and see who resonates best with you. That's the best advice I can give for that. So next question, Tremaine. We'll keep it at that. Is it wise to practice leveraging with your RSPs? For example, B2B offers a package to borrow and invest. So it's borrowing against your assets, basically. And I, I do believe, you know, B2B does offer a loan for RSPs, even though by law, well, actually, no, your RSPs could be, could be taken. So let's just say, yes, they offer that. And that's a good strategy for some people. It's not a good strategy for others. Not enough time to get over it, to go over it here, but just know that it. From a numbers point of view, it might make sense. From a I'm about to have a heart attack point of view, it might not. So it's very tricky. And I wouldn't, let's just say most of my clients are do not take loans to invest. But like I said, in some circumstances, it is a good idea. Yeah. And, and I, one, one example I like to use when, people, when I get asked that question is think of 2008 and let's say you were leveraged in that kind of scenario. So the markets, let's say, you know, your portfolio just went down, let's say, let's say it was 30%, right? So you're in the red. And on top of that, you're not only are you in the red, but you're also paying interest payments on the loan, right? So not only are your investments temporarily, at least in the hole, but you're also every day, you know, when you get your paycheck from work, a portion of that is going towards uh, paying the interest on that. And, you know, in situations like 2008, some companies stopped issuing their dividends temporarily, right? And so it's not like you're getting all the same dividends you used to, to be able to offset those interest payments either, right? So that, I think that's what John refers to when you talk about, can you sleep at night? I think most people wouldn't sleep that well when they see their portfolio in the red and they have to make an interest payment the next day because they borrowed money to invest. And I'll say this also, there are circumstances where the bank is going to come knocking on your door and saying, hey, we need more money for the loan that we've given you and you fronted us, uh, you, you sort of uh, have collateral on it. Well, you know what? Your collateral has just gone down because the markets have gone down. So we need some more money from you now. So that's the scary part. So you know what I'm saying? So there, there could be a, a, a margin, right? So um, so that's it. Tremaine asks another question. Is it wise to open a spousal RSP, especially if one spouse income is higher than the other? And you know what? Spousal RSPs used to be a lot more important many years ago. They're not as important now, but there are still circumstances where a spousal RSP does work. But generally speaking, um, they're not as lucrative as they used to be because we can now do 
what a spousal RSP was used for is basically to do what's called income splitting at retirement. Well, income splitting rules have been relaxed, so it's not as lucrative as it used to be, but there are still circumstances where a spousal RSP is useful, okay? Again, lack of time now. If you, have, if you want to go into it deeply or more deeper, Tremaine, then just reach out to us and we'll do it. Lacey, when Lacey says, all good. Oh, thank you, Lacey. <laughs> uh, oh, look, Mehdi. We, I've spoken with Mehdi in the past uh, over the phone. So, hey, thanks for being here, Mehdi. Uh, regarding your example, as I know, you cannot contribute more than 27000 from your income. Also, you assuming that you have enough room to contribute so you can do it every year. Correct. So what Mehdi is saying is uh, it's not like you have room to contribute as much as you want when you start doing RSPs, the room accumulates over years. So let's say this is your first time working and you earn X amount of dollars and you're able to contribute $10,000 in your RSP. Well, if you don't use it this year and the following year, you know, you're under the same circumstances, you earn income and then you can put another $10,000 RSP. Well, now if you haven't used this year's room, you can use it the following year. So you that point will be at 20 and some people haven't used it for 10 12 15 years and they can find themselves in the hundreds of thousands of dollars of rsp contribution so the, thank you Matthew, for bringing that up that's a good point let's go to the chat questions now and we got 11 minutes so we're okay so um bob is asking any tips for best managing employee rsp account through manulife that feature moderately expensive mutual fund options Good question, and I run into these things a lot. Some of us are lucky enough to have a pension. Some of these pensions are what's called defined benefit, which means you'll know how much money you'll get. And these are mostly government workers and, and stuff like that, hospital workers. My wife's a nurse. She has something like that where she knows how much money she'll get when she retires. There's other pensions called defined contribution pension plans, and that's where you put some money, and this is what you're talking about, I think, Bob. You're putting some money into your RSP. Your employer is also putting money to an RSP. Actually, this is called this is also called another plan called a group RSP. I think that's what Bob's talking about. So you're putting some money into your RSP. The employer is putting some money into your RSP through an insurance company like Manulife, and they have expensive funds. So I'm I'm in I'm into a couple of cases like this as we speak, where there are some companies that'll say. You're allowed, you, you ask your company or human resources if you're allowed to transfer the amount of money that you have accumulated into your RSP at Manulife. Some, most employees will let you. Some will say, uh-uh, if you do that, we're going to punish you. You're, we're not going to be contributing into your RSP for the next six months, for example. So before you, do, before you do anything like that, just find out if you're able to. And if you are able to, are there any consequences in transferring your money from your existing manual life to your own uh, individual plan, let's say, or, or another plan that you may have elsewhere? So I hope that answers the yeah, question, John, Bob. I know what, just this might be helpful to some people. I know what we did is when my wife was still uh, working, she had a defined contribution uh, pension plan at her work where, you know, they would match it up to a certain amount. Uh, and so, yeah, I for sure, the fees were a lot higher. Uh, it was with Manulife for Sunlife. I can't remember which one. I think they, they ended up switching at one point, but it doesn't matter. It was, you know, it was higher fee product, but we still took advantage of it to her max, right? Because if you're getting the employer match, that's basically 100% return on your money, right? It's, it's free. Exactly, so yes i didn't like that they were totally overcharging us you know in terms of fees on those investments but i was using money that the you know it's money still we're still getting that 100 return right so the fees are higher but it's still totally totally worth it so we basically would max 
hers out to the you know to the maximum uh, employer match, and then we wanted to invest more than that, obviously, because we wanted to re- retire early. So we we had a Quest Trade account in addition to that, and so anything you know, once we've hit our match, we would start pumping money into you know our Quest Trade account uh, and do things that way. So that was the strategy that we did, and and it worked uh, really really well for us, where you get all the free money, but you don't pay any more in fees than you have to you know to get it. Very good. All right, next question from, is it Braden or Braden? I think it's Braden. Hey, Cornell and John, Braden here. <laughs> I think TFSA needs to be rebranded as TFIA by CRA, investment, not savings. That's a good, hey, let me write that down. Hold on a second. That's a pretty good one. It makes it makes a lot of sense. A tax-free investment account, which is also a savings account, but is point well taken. I'll, I'll Let's send emails to our people. <laughs> so one from Cornell. Hey, yes, the presentation will be available later. So anybody who's asking it, if they haven't, we're able to register or whatever. Yeah, we're reporting it, so it will be. Uh, Lisa, we'll do a show on fees, okay? I promise you. Cornell, that makes sense, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. If there's a okay. if there's demand for that, yeah, we can totally do that. Yeah. Because there's a lot, right? right like so- there's the MER, which we talk about a lot, but there's a lot uh, like with the different sales charges in particular, right? Like if you're already in some sort of mutual funds, then I get this question a lot. People that have sort of seen the light and they want to switch to ETFs and then they wonder, well, how do we do it? Because I'm currently with, you know, this provider and they're charging me these fees, but sometimes you have to pay fees to get out and is it worth it? Like it becomes this whole thing. It's totally worth looking into because you could be, I spoke to a few people recently where they, basically they were paying $10,000 per year in fees, more than, you know, more than if they just had an ETF. So imagine that compounded over 20 years, right? So totally worth looking into. Uh, but yeah, we should totally do a show on it just to help everyone with that transition. Yeah, but I'll say this. Some people, you know what? If you're in a mutual fund and let's say to withdraw your money from the fund because you don't want to be in that fund anymore, it might cost you 3% in, in fees, all right? That's a big pill to swallow, okay? However, do the math. And so if you're saving, if you if you can get dinged with 3%, let's say on 100,000, right? You're withdrawing, uh, you're saying, no, I'm out of this fund and they're going to charge me 3% and that's fine. You're going to pay $3,000 to get out of the fund. But if you're saving $2,000 in fees a year, it makes sense, right? No matter what the fee is, like I said, it's a hard pill to swallow right away. But over the next year or two or three, you're going to make up that pill more than what you actually paid because you will be saving a couple of thousand dollars of fees a year. Whereas if you let, if you wait three or four years until that 3% goes down to zero, well then, you know, right, you're not going to pay, but you will have paid excessive fees for years and years and years. So all I'm saying is that, yes, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yes, it's not right for everybody, but it's worth looking at the math and, and looking at it from a logical point of view. And anyone can do a, can show you the cost benefit analysis. I like to show cost benefit analysis in anything we do. So I, you know, it's easy to show cost benefit. And then you also might want to do just Google, should I sell my deferred sales charge funds? And you're going to get articles there that are saying pretty much what I said, it's a tough pill to swallow, but numbers uh, over the next year or two or three um, sort of, They'll show you if it's if it's worth it or not. Let's just put it this way. Um, Bob says thanks, John. There's a penalty or of not providing the fifty percent matching. Ah, there you go. So there's a penalty. So, but I guess I have to weigh that against the fees. Correct, and it it all depends on how much you're putting, Bob, and at what income level you're at. And I mean, if they're putting five thousand or ten thousand dollars a year, wow, you should be 
you know, before you make the transfer, do a, a, a calculation and figure it out. Um, thanks for the validation of my thinking. Very good. Should you over-contribute to your RSP so you can get a return and use that money to contribute to your TFSA, or should we focus on contributing mostly to TFSA until we can reach the maximum? Uh, now, again, unfortunately, not enough time to really get into this, but I'll say this. There are circumstances where you're better off putting your money in a TFSA than an RRSP. Um, over-contribute to your RSP, you're not allowed to over-contribute purposely, all right, um, because you're going to get a penalty from the government if you do that. You're allowed to contribute up to $2,000, I, I believe, without penalty. And so bottom line is if you mean over-contribute because you haven't used some contributions uh, from previous years, you know what? The answer is yes and no, and it all depends on your personal circumstances, meaning the tax rate you're at right now, how much money you've accumulated in the past to do an over-contribution. So that gets a little bit more personal to me. So I, I hope I'm not I, – let's just say I'm not trying to skip the question, but it does make sense. Yeah. Where does Cornell pay 0.15% fees only? That was for the management expense ratio? Yes. Well – there you go. Well, in one word, yes. I can, <laughs> reach out to me, and I can I can give you some more details on uh, what what I hold uh, as well and how I get that. I can. Um, yeah. it, it's like it's in my course. Uh, it's both can.ca slash invest. But like you don't like if you don't want to buy it, I can just tell you it's fine. Just just reach out to me. I'll uh, I'll let you know, and then you can kind of see if those ETFs would be a good fit for you or not. Uh, to totally. Yeah. You. Uh, John, I know you have to go in a few minutes, so I just want to make sure you get your kind of. Uh, you know, people know about your free 30-minute consultation be before you go. So so a lot of the questions that when John answers these questions in this kind of format, it's, it you know, he's giving sort of, you know, general best practices. Uh, but what's the key, I think, to mention is that the answer for you might be very different because of your specific situation. So, and John and I have talked about this on past episodes, right? Where, you know, we'll give you like certain rules of thumb, but but different people are different situations, right? Some have a mortgage, some have other debts, some have kids, you know, some have a, a defined pension, or sorry, like a defined contribution pension, others don't, um, you know, so there's different circumstances and the correct answer for you might be different than than the general kind of rule because of, because of exactly what, you know, Know, what you're going through and all of the different variables on your end um, and so kind of I, I like I said I'm a big fan of what John what he did I was super happy with what he did for, for you know for my family it, it basically gave us the confidence to uh, retire very very early which was fantastic um, and so I do encourage you to you know get a free consultation with him it's basically a free phone call he's for Bill Canada listeners he's happy to give 30 minutes and he'll just you know talk with you answer your questions you know if you would want to work together with him great if if, if, if not if you just have like a one-off question well I at the very least, you got your, you know, your question answered, uh, and there's no like pressure. He doesn't sell investments or any, you know, or anything like that. So, you know, I definitely encourage you to to have it one with him, just to make sure that what you're learning here today also applies to your specific situation. I can't stress that enough. And then for anyone that signs up to, we've we've put together some bonuses. So I have a guide on how to find the right financial advisor in Canada. When you go to that link, the buildwithcanada.ca/john, you'll get that. And also, I'm going to be emailing out John's guide, which he had, uh, which him and his team have put together too, about finding the right financial planner. So these are things you can use if you already have a planner. You can use it to kind of test your existing financial planner advisor to see if they really do have your best interests at heart. You know, Or if you're looking for a new one, you can use it for that as well. So uh, anyways, I hope you take up on the offer. Uh, I just I, I want to make sure you get the, the credit you deserve, John, because you, you really helped us out a lot. And I mean, we're retired now uh, and, and 
you know, I I feel like without you, I, I don't know if I would have had the confidence. I needed that second op- opinion to look at my numbers and say, yes, you're good to go, you know? So so I appreciate that. Oh, I think I muted. John got muted by accident. I don't know how. Oh, am I, <laughs> oh there you there go. Now? I'm there now. You're there now, I, yeah. Just very quickly, very quickly, because I got to run. Uh, we all got to run. It's one o'clock. Um, the, the work that you're doing, Cornell, I've spoken to lots of your listeners over the past several months, as you know, we did a show. Um, we've done several shows, and people call me for questions, and they want to do this uh, this review business. But the response that I'm getting from everybody that I'm speaking to is, "What a great job you've done, and how you've educated Canadians and stuff like that." And you're one of the more popular podcasts in Canada, so congratulations to you. Thanks on behalf of all Canadians, really. And people really, people really resonate with what you're saying, and they find your advice very valuable. And, you know, we're giving away all this stuff, which is fantastic. So I just wanted to say great job on your part. That's awesome. No, thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes, you know, I hear I hear get like nice emails uh, here and there, but then sometimes, you know, you get like a negative iTunes review and then you just, you know, I focus on that. And, you know, so it's, <laughs> so you you actually talk to the listeners, you know, uh, kind of live on the phone through your consultations and such. So I, I it's, it's nice to know people uh, appreciate it. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we've done something unique here. Like we, we retired, you know, really, really early. And so I want to kind of share that with people so others can do it too, you know, instead of being stuck in a job that they hate, uh, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, there's always room, I feel, to improve and to optimize and to learn, right? Uh, and I really don't want to go back to a cubicle. So I have a very big, in- I'm, I'm very interested in learning every and in continuing to learn everything I can and optimizing things sentence. so that I never have to go back to the cube and, and commute. You <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks. Uh, all right, guys, all right, you got to go? Okay. Uh, so th- thanks, gotta- everyone. Uh, feel, yeah, like I said, uh, feel free to reach out to me, reach out to John. Uh, you know, you, you, if your question wasn't answered, just, you know, re- reach out to us. We'll, we'll be happy to help you. Um, you know, hopefully you got a lot out of it. We, we tried really hard to make it kind of action-packed for you. And, and yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. All right, then. Bye-bye. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. All right, a big thanks to John for coming on. And even if you're listening to this episode a lot later after the webinar has already happened, you can still get your questions answered for free by getting a free 30-minute consultation with John by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash John. It's a free consultation that he offers to Build Wealth Canada listeners. And of course, if you haven't already, as a Build Wealth Canada listener, don't forget to get that free one-year subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine and double that interest rate that you're currently getting in your checking and savings account accounts by signing up for free to my favorite bank that I've been using for years over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Once you do that, forward me any email that EQ sends you over to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll send you the coupon code that gets you a one-year free subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine. And you'll also get that extra perk of five free Interact e-transfers every month. And you'll know that you're getting one of the highest interest rates in Canada on your savings account. Not some temporary high interest rate account for only six months or whatever the case may be. They consistently have one of, if not the highest interest rates in Canada based on all the years that I've been with them. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Thank you for supporting the show in that way. Have a great week and talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 